I wanted to uh, cover a subject today that uh, I guess I'll start this way. As I reflected on the messages uh, that we heard last week, Mr. Demarest talked about uh, that whole concept of abhorring evil and, and cleaving or clinging to what is good. Uh, Mr. Mr. Trabig discussed the the, the tests, the little preparatory tests that each of these uh, of, of Daniel's three friends experienced that built uh, up upon each other and helped further ground them to where the more difficult tests uh, arose uh, yeah, a little bit later in their lives. And then, and then also just uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Townsend's message that I heard last, last Sabbath I, that he had given here a while back on just uh, understanding the clear and present danger of sin and then thinking about Mr. Gutierrez's message today about the whole concept of, of leaving the days of unleavened bread and, and carrying with us that, that intense desire to, to check our progress, to, to note what the challenges are and continue to try to experience that, that newness of life that we ultimately will experience in fullness as Christ returns. Uh, as I thought about all of that, it made me think of Bucky's, uh, one of my favorite places. No, actually, it didn't make me think of Bucky's at all, uh, but, but it does speak to something that, that, of, of Bucky's that we'll, we'll deal with today. You know, I, one of the things that I've struggled with in my life is that I find humor in potty humor. I don't know if any of you <laughs> do, do as well, but uh, Bucky's is known for its road signs, and they have various, uh, what would you say, potty humor uh, road signs. Some are much tamer than others, so I'll try to keep them very tame today. I know we've got some folks on the webcast that probably have no idea what Bucky's is, but for those that are watching from uh, somewhere else in the country, Bucky's is a convenience store that has that sells fuel and all also snacks, and they do it very, very well. But anybody that's driven down I-35 or I-45 knows what a Bucky's sign uh, looks like, because we see many as we head south, and, and as you get closer and closer to that one that is uh, right before you get into kind of no man's land on 45, uh, you see more and more as, as you get closer. But you'll see signs like, uh, hey, buses, 49 toilets, uh, or Bucky's. Restroom Hall of Fame. Uh, and now we're starting to get into a little bit greater potty humor. And I'll, again, I'm going to try to keep this appropriate since I'm at the pulpit here today on the Sabbath. But only 262 miles to Bucky's. You can hold it. Uh, I, I like that one. Uh, your throne awaits. Fabulous restrooms. Uh, this one I debated on and I'm not going to read that. Uh, I'll read this one, though. This is my last one. Uh, our aim is to have clean restrooms. Your aim will help. Uh, but, you know, as you, you, you guys know Bucky's. You see the signs, uh, but they, they do have great food uh, and, uh, and, and good prices on fuel, by the way. They don't usually advertise their fuel prices, but when you get there, it's actually uh, really inexpensive. It's hard to go by Bucky's without stopping. Question. Can you imagine the following road sign from a true prophet of God on US 75 or uh, on 45 as you're heading south towards Houston? Warning, disaster ahead. In one half mile, exit right or face doom, heartache, spiritual devastation, destitution, certain death. 
Uh, anybody imagine that? Can you imagine uh, seeing that? I, I remember in, in East Texas, we would drive from uh, Longview back to Big Sandy uh, sometimes and uh, passing through Gladewater. And then on the right, about halfway between Gladewater and Big Sandy, there used to be this, this sign. It was with a, with a certain church group. It was, it was one, of more, one of the more uh, hellfire uh, kinds of uh, churches. But there was uh, something like choose, choose God now or choose Christ now or certain death. And you'd see the stick figure that was over in the corner and he was falling off and there, was flame, there were flames piling up. You know, it was, it was not going to be a good, pers- a good thing for that person. Person. Uh, so, yes, I guess we could assume that there probably are some signs out there uh, that are like that. You've probably seen uh, some of those. But, but can you imagine what that would be like? How many people would just drive on by? I, I, I would say most would. Or uh, because of the length of words that I just uh, read on uh, Face doom, heartache, spiritual devastation, destitution, and certain death. They probably wouldn't put that all on one billboard. It would be in successive billboards. Doom, devastation, destitution, certain death as you neared that last chance uh, to exit. How many would go by without exiting? I'd like to today spend a little bit of time talking about prophecy. Uh, Now, this is not one of those prophecy messages that is a a Daniel or a Revelation-type prophecy message where it lines up certain things that must happen before this and that. It's not one of those, but it is a message on prophecy. And it's a message to physical Israel, as as we understand one of our uh, fundamental beliefs of of the the history of of Israel uh, through Abraham who is Israel, who is modern-day Israel, and, uh, and look at some of the, the traits that a certain prophet in the Old Testament spoke about that would lead to the downfall of Israel. The downfall of Israel, modern-day Israel, which would be the birthright nations that uh, received that, as, as we know, the, the, sons of, uh, the sons of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh, that, that received that as our, as our booklet talks about. Uh, these nations in which you and I reside, some of us uh, may be direct descendants of those lines. Some of us may be a mix. Some of us may not have any bit of, quote, Israel in us physically at all. It, that, that means nothing uh, to me in, in terms of, of God and, and in terms of the spiritual calling that, that we have, we know that, that that means nothing to God because God views all of us as his children and those whom he has called, he calls the Israel of God. Those who have received Jesus Christ, those who have received the Holy Spirit, we are the Israel of God. But at the same time, we know that much of the Bible centers around Israel. Israel, the, the nations of Israel, what they experienced, what they went through, and then all, also what happens to Israel in the end time. Uh, a big part of the Bible talks about that. So we're, we're going to talk about that today, but we're going to talk about that in one book, in one book that speaks to that. What, what I would like us to do as the Israel of God, no matter what our race, but as the Israel of God who lives in the modern-day descendants of Israel, receiving the blessings of Israel, uh, and some of us who may be of Israel descent. Uh, 
I'd like us to consider these factors today. I'd like us to consider three traits that this particular prophet, through God's inspiration, inspired, uh, was inspired to, to let folks know of that time what was happening. I think he speaks to the nation today, and I believe he speaks to you and me today. So let's look at that uh, today. We're going to go to a book that uh, covers these traits. Do we see these traits that we'll cover today? Do we see these firmly rooted in our society? Do the road signs draw our attention, or do we drive right by them without seeing them? We live in society, we know that, and we are to come out of the world as, as uh, we are told. But are these traits tentacles grabbing us in any way? Are they, do we feel them grabbing and pulling at us? So I'd like us to consider these parallels today. Ancient Israel, modern-day recipients of the birthright promise, us individually as, as citizens of the Israel of God receiving the spiritual birthright promises. We are the first fruits, uh, and we're coming up to that, uh, that feast that uh, pictures the harvesting of, of that. And those, again, who are living in a nation which is the recipient of these birthright promises. God's prophetic utterances through the prophet Hosea give us these three which we'll drive by today and hopefully all of us will consider. Next time, in two weeks, I'd like to address the wonderful reality that is contained in Hosea. Hosea is a beautiful book about marriage. It is a beautiful story. And it is a, by going through the, the discussion of what marriage is designed to be, uh, Hosea beautifully lays out God's relationship with Israel and, and then through, through, uh, through Israel, all of mankind as Jesus Christ returns and sets up uh, his governmental throne in Israel. But, uh, but today's message, well, and I'd also next week, not to say too much about next week, but next week I also want to talk about what that means for us today as we reflect upon that marriage and how that impacts our marriages. What do, what do our marriages look like as, as husbands and wives in our congregations here? Beautiful, beautiful descriptions uh, as, as that is turned uh, in, in a right direction prophetically uh, to us as, as the Israel of God now in our own individual marriages. But we'll, we'll talk about that next time. Today, though, it's the bad. It's the bad. It's the warnings. It's the traits. So we're going to hit those, and we're going to hit those hard. Uh, Going to Hosea 1, one of the things that, that fascinates me about this, this prophecy is, is that it's, it's not one that Hosea alone is saying at that time. Hosea uh, takes place and is written very much at the same time that Isaiah does all of his writing uh, through, through God as, as God reveals information to Isaiah. Many parallels that are there. If you were to look at Hosea 1.1 and look at the individuals who are kings, uh, let's see, Hosea the son of Beeri in the days of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, 
You know, the kingdom had been divided by that time, of course. And in the days of Jeroboam, they're talking about Jeroboam II, not the original Jeroboam that, that split from Solomon uh, after Solomon's death with Jeroboam and Rehoboam, talking about Jeroboam II, the son of Joash, king of Israel. If you were to look at, at, at those kings and also the kings that are mentioned when Isaiah prophesies, they're, they're very similar, if not the same. So, so here you've got different prophets at that time preaching in different areas, preaching similar messages. So they're here, they're there, and it's not always just one, one prophet of God and everybody's looking uh, to that person as the single representative. There, there could be several at that time. Incidentally, also even Amos, uh, in uh, parts of, uh, it appears that parts of Hosea's Prophecy, uh, prophecies also are contemporary with some of Amos's writings. So, uh, you know, the different prophets are, are, are preaching the truth, but they're coming at it from a different, different angle and a, a slightly different twist, but it's all God that is saying, hey, this is serious business here. Now, one of the things that we'll, we'll talk about, too, that, we, well, one is we will not go into detail today about uh, the, the imagery of the children that are born through uh, his marriage uh, with, uh, with Gomer. We're not going to get into all of that today. We may touch on that a bit next time. We're going to focus on some different things today. But uh, we will at least discuss a, a bit of the marriage at the very beginning. But, but it is fascinating as you look to see the way that these various prophecies connect. Uh, one of the things that is very clear that that again, I think, smacks us right in the face uh, with respect to what we see going on today. These prophecies uh, uh, to, to Israel and, and uh, others prophesied to, to Judah primarily, the southern kingdom, but these prophecies are during a time of incredible prosperity. Incredible prosperity. In fact, uh, during, during uh, much of, of the time of of Hosea's prophecy, Israel had had reclaimed some of they they had grown uh, in their country and in their land that they covered uh, almost back to the point that that Solomon had. Solomon was when, when Solomon was reigning. That's when they gained all of this land, and because of Solomon's sins near near the end of his his reign, they began to lose some of that. But Israel had been reclaiming much of that, so they they were experiencing prosperity. They were doing well in so many areas, and yet here are these prophecies talking about doom and devastation. Where, where are we right now as a country? Are, are any of you struggling to put food on the table? Did you really, really have to search to get food down your gullets this morning? Maybe some did. I know we have, as a congregation, this congregation does relatively well financially. I know we have individuals that, are, that struggle financially just to make ends meet. But, but, but think about this nation. Think about this area and think about the way that we live. I, I had steak last night. I didn't have filet. But I, I had sirloin. I had uh, sirloin, little, little chunks. Uh, my wife had gone to uh, Trader Joe's, and she'd gotten those green beans that are a little, I don't, I don't know if they're, they're called string, be, string green beans, but they're, they're longer. I don't like those little things on the end, the little stem things. I always have to cut those things off. But she, she uh, cooked that. I, I, I had cooked carrots. I thought all carrots were orange, but I found out there, there are carrots that are white. There are carrots that are purple. 
I didn't know that. I, I'm from this. I'm from Ohio. We have we have orange carrots in Ohio. But uh, I had I had these different colored carrots that were incredibly tasty last night. I had delicious green beans. I had little little pieces of steak. Uh, had a little bit of red wine. We had a very very lovely Sabbath dinner. We we eat very well. We live in a modest home that is that would be just a, a castle to most people in the world. We are incredibly blessed. Israel, the northern kingdom, uh, was in a time of, of great prosperity, and, and they were expanding. And yet here are these prophecies. So I, I think, again, with the duality of prophecy, and as we understand from other passages of Scripture, uh, it's, it's a very appropriate prophecy as, as we, we are to proclaim a warning message to the world, and as we are to also as prophecy is designed to turn inward, to always come back inward. What is God telling me? The, the purpose of prophecy is to turn, to turn, to repent, to draw near to God uh, because of the warning message. So that's what Hosea is proclaiming because of God's, God's instruction and what God tells him to say. That's what Isaiah is doing. That's what Amos is doing. So let's look here. Uh, Hosea 1, we read verse 1, and now let's go to verse 2. When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Eternal said, Go, take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry. Now, I'll stop right there because uh, there are several discussions. I should have uh, talked to Dr. Levy before this, but there, there are several discussions out there about that statement. Did, was God telling him to take a person to wife who was already involved in harlotry, or did he... Was he instructing him to take a person who would uh, to be his wife, who would later go into harlotry? Uh, I, I've, I've read different uh, commentaries that speak differently about that and in how that uh, would be. Some have said that they they think it would probably be the latter because wouldn't wouldn't have had God God go and marry someone that's in, involved uh, completely in that, uh, but. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's immaterial for the, the message uh, today, but I'll, I'll do some checking with some individuals, and if I can give you some greater clarity on that, uh, I will next time. But, but regardless, the, the woman would go into harlotry, and the woman here is a, is a type of Israel that was going to go into harlotry, because it says here, and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry. Uh, it, the, my margin renders it spiritual adultery. Harlotry, uh, you know, being married and, and then committing adultery, it's, it's a spiritual adultery. What, so what's he getting at? What, what are the, what's the main concept that he's getting at? It's getting back to a subject that we discussed several weeks ago. Uh, you know, is there an idol in your, in your tent? He's talking about idolatry. Spiritual harlotry is idolatry. Worshiping something that is not of God, recognizing that and seeing that clearly. Uh, He was to marry, at at the least, a woman who would go into harlotry because, as a type, to help uh, Israel see that Israel was involved in idolatry. They were involved in false, false worship, and in doing so, they they depart from the Lord. So my, my first area of the three danger signs, the traits that it 
will lead to the downfall of, of physical Israel. Similarly, traits that will lead to the downfall of us individually as the Israel of God is idolatry. Idolatry, worldliness, uh, covetousness is idolatry, as we, we covered last time, as the book of Colossians says. This whole concept of as, as we are to come out of the world, do we recognize idolatry for what it is? Do we recognize worldliness? Do we recognize covetousness? Do we see that? Do we grasp that? Do we call it for what it is? Do we identify it for what it is? And do we leave it? Because that's, the, again, the purpose of prophecy, to, to see something and recognize it. I've got to turn from that. I've got to turn from that in every way. Hosea 4, let's look at some examples here as we, we hit different spots throughout the book of Hosea. Uh, Hosea 4, verse 11. Hosea 4, verse 11. Uh, he says, harlotry, wine, and new wine enslave the heart. Spiritual harlotry, idolatry, enslaves the heart. The, the, the person is enslaved to that. Just as a person who uh, abuses alcohol, they, they, it can enslave the heart to where they, they become reliant upon that. They are slaves to that. Here he's talking now about idolatry, false worship. Verse 12, my, my people ask counsel from their wooden idols and their, their divining rod or their, their staff informs them. For the spirit of harlotry has caused them to stray because they were not worshiping God as the true God told them to worship them. They, they began to be led astray and they've played the harlot against their God. Just like a person that says, I'm married to you, but I'm going to go do this. Uh, it says Israel is doing that with God here in, in terms of not following him. Verse 13, they offer sacrifices on the mountaintops. They burn incense on the hills under oaks, poplars, and terebinths because their shade is good. Therefore, your daughters commit harlotry and your brides commit adultery. And he says how he won't punish the daughters. He won't even punish the brides because he says, verse 14, for the men themselves go apart with harlots. So we have not only physical, uh, in, in a sense, spiritual harlotry of false idol worship, but, but even in the practice of that idolatry, they were involved in physically in committing adultery and, and, and fornication. As it says here, for the men themselves go apart with harlots and offer sacrifices with a ritual harlot. Notice verse 14. This is, this is a powerful statement. Sin is sin. And sin is identified by the transgression of God's law. So he says, as, as this sin is occurring, people who do not understand will be trampled. <laughs> now, okay, so, so we think about that. Well, wait, wait, wait. How, how can they be blamed if they don't understand? How, 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 can, we, how can they be blamed and, and how could they end up be tramp, trampled by that? How, how could we serve a God that would cause people who are living in sin and, and doing something like this to be trampled? The, 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 the quick answer to that is because we understand the, the plan of God, that, that sin produces death. Whether that person understands God's law and grasps God's law or has no idea of God's law, sin <laughs> causes death. It causes death, it causes heartache, it causes suffering. That, that is a truth. That is a truth. 
And, and we, as, we as God's people are to, to recognize these truths of God. We also understand the beautiful truths of God that he's going to raise everybody that has not had that opportunity to fully grasp and understand that truth uh, at a later time to physical life to give them the opportunity to do that so they can have the opportunity to live eternally with God as a spirit being. God is a great and loving God. But this is a truism. Therefore, people who do not understand will be trampled. What about the people who do understand and do it anyway? I think they get trampled a little harder. No, I don't know. But they get trampled too, okay? <laughs> so so uh, it's, it's critical for us to, to grasp that and recognize that. Uh, let's go to Hosea 10, verse 1. Hosea 10, 1. Israel empties his vine, he brings forth uh, fruit for himself, according to the multitude of his fruit. Israel has increased the altars, according to the bounty of his land. Uh, So Israel empties out her luxuriant vine. The, The more God blessed them, the more they misused his bounties proving, uh, you know, uh, again, praying to the idols and, and connecting with the idols. Uh, so let, let's, let's step back. Let's step back for a second and let, let's look at one of the birthright nations of, of, of today's time. Uh, and here we are in this, this great, great country. Look at how we have been blessed as a country. Look at how, despite all the upheaval, even of, of just the recent uh, COVID-19 situation, how abundantly we're, we're still being blessed and, and how comfortably we live. I, I'm thankful for that, and I, and I see God's blessing in that. But, but as we step back and we look at the state of our nation and the state of where things are going, the, the state from just the basic understanding of, as you've heard many times, the Judeo-Christian values upon which the country, you know, was built, you know, and, and the way that, that we are moving farther and farther away from just the basic truths of the Bible that so much of society grasped, uh, as we are being blessed more and more, we are increasing, verse 1, we're increasing the altars according to the bounty of our land. I mean, that, that is tragic. God's people who are rooted in God's word and are, are seeing all of this, God's people are recognizing it. God wants us to see that and recognize that. Now, I'm going I'm to step, step back for a second because sometimes... Uh, I'll hear and and different folks will have different thoughts on this whole situation of what is the church's role in in identifying some of these situations that we see out in society uh, of of Christianity that would be considered based on what we understand to be false worship of of God. Are, Are we as God's people to identify that? Or should we just not identify at all? Because if we do identify it, then we're putting ourselves up above the rest of Christianity. Like, yeah, see, we got it going on. We're the ones who really God is working with uh, to where it becomes a pride situation. So, so as a result, we really shouldn't talk about it at all. You know, what, what should we do? Or, or should we, does God expect us as his people who are grounded and rooted in his word to look at God's word and live by his word and recognize those differences, but while doing so, 
find ourselves in complete and utter humility that God has chosen to call us out. How blessed we are that God has, has given us this truth and how excited we're going to be when he gives all mankind that opportunity to do so. Uh, I think it is a responsibility of the church to identify those, but it is also a responsibility of the church not to be prideful about it. Uh, God expects us to articulate that. Otherwise, we're not being the watchman as God would, would have us be as his people. So he, he says here, uh, continuing in verse, in verse 1, so they've embellished his sacred pillars. Their heart is divided, but as 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 we are increasing in our abundance, we see our, our nation turning farther and farther away from God. He says, their heart is divided. Now they are held guilty. He'll break down their altars. He'll ruin their sacred pillars. For now they say we have no king because we did not fear the Lord. And, and as for a king, what, what would he do for us? They've spoken words, uh, swearing falsely and making judgments. Judgment springs up like hemlock in the furrows of the field. The inhabitants of Samaria fear because of the calf of Beth-Avon, for its people mourn for it, for its priests shriek for it, because its glory has departed from it. The idol also shall be carried to Assyria as a present for King Jerob. Ephraim shall receive shame, and Israel shall be ashamed of his own counsel. As we look and we see the the situations of the false worship that, that is going on across our, our country, do we see it clearly? Do we recognize it? Do we recognize the idolatry that, that, is, that is extant in that? Uh, let's look at uh, Hosea 13. Hosea 13, and uh, one more example here. Hosea 13, verse, verse 1, he says, When Ephraim spoke, and often he uses the term Ephraim as the, as the nation to represent the northern kingdom uh, of Israel, so sometimes he uses this, this term interchangeably, Ephraim, Israel. Uh, so he says, When Ephraim spoke, trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. When he offended through Baal worship, he died. <laughs> now they sin more and more and have made for themselves molded images, idols of their silver, according to their skill. All of it is the work of craftsmen. They say of them, let the men who sacrifice kiss the calves. Therefore they shall be like the morning cloud and like the early dew that passes away, like chaff blown off from a threshing floor and and like chimney from uh, smoke from a chimney. Verse 4, yet I am the eternal your God. God, even at a, a level of basic understanding of of his way. Think about this for a second. Uh, We are the Israel of God. We we have been given the the circumcision of the heart so that we understand the spiritual intent of God's law. Israel wasn't given that, but they were given his laws. It, It says how he didn't put a heart in them to even grasp at that level, but there is still an accountability. There there's still a, a degree of accountability that God gave Israel for, for knowing what they knew and what they should do about it. He was, he was very clear about that. I am the Lord your God. He gave them these laws. Remember, ever since the land of Egypt, <laughs> when he brought them out of Egypt, he says, and you shall know no God but me, for there is no Savior besides me. 
Remember, I knew you in the wilderness, in the land of great drought, when they had passed your, uh, they were filled, they were filled and their heart was exalted. Therefore, they forgot me. So then he makes mention of this, of, of this is what uh, was going to happen to Israel then and the dual nature of prophecy. The time of Jacob's trouble is coming for modern day Israel. Look, look what he says. This is, this is not a child's play here in verse 7. So I will be to them like a lion, like a leopard by the road I will lurk. I'll meet them like a bear deprived of her cubs, and I'll tear open their ribcage, and there I will devour them like a lion. The wild beast shall tear them. O oh, Israel, you are destroyed. But, but your help is from me. I'll be your king. Where is any other that he may save you? And yet, uh, that is not the case. I gave you a king in my anger, and I took him away in your wrath. So, again, reflecting on that, he, he's, he's coming back to this thing of, of, of telling Israel, even on the level that they could understand, realize, I am your God, and here are the basic laws that I want you to follow. Yet, they, they turned from that. And, and even our nation today, being given all that it was, was given, there is a degree of accountability. We, we see that in Romans 1, because he says even when they, they knew God, they, they rejected that, so he gave them up to a depraved, uh, depraved mind. There, there's, there is a degree of accountability there uh, to a nation that's been as blessed as ours. Worldliness, idolatry, covetousness. Hosea 2, Hosea 2, <clears throat> verse 2, he says, Bring ch- charges against your mother, uh, mother, here speaking of, of Israel, the nation. Hosea 2, verse 2, Bring charges against your mother, bring charges, for she is not my wife, nor am I her husband. Let her, let her put, her away, put away her harlotries from her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and expose her. She had clung to uh, and uh, uh, embraced uh, in loving uh, false worship. Lest I strip her naked and expose her as in the day she was born, and make her like a wilderness, and set her like a dry land, and slay her with thirst. I won't have mercy on her children, for they're the children of harlotry. For their mother has played the harlot, she who conceived them has behaved shamefully." And this, this brings out this element of, of worldliness, this element of, of not seeing God as their deliverer and, and getting involved in other things. Uh, how much do we see this in our nation today? For she said, he said, she has you know, conceived them, she's behaved shamefully. Verse 5, for she has said, I'm going to go after my lovers. These, these ones that provided for me and, and this, this possession of these are my lovers who give me my bread. I've got these things. These are my possessions and my water. They give me my wool. They give me my linen. They give me my oil and my, my drink. He says, therefore, behold, verse 6, I'll hedge up your way with thorns and I'll wall her in so that she can't find her own path. She'll chase her lovers, all these, uh, these different things that she thinks are giving her what she needs. But she will not overtake them. Yes, she will seek them, but she will not find them. Verse 6 is, is talking to some degree about uh, I, uh, idolatry and also shifting uh, national alliances. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on that a bit later. Let's look at two other passages here. 
two quick ones in uh, verse uh, verse one of chapter twelve. Let's let's jump uh, to uh, Hosea twelve verse one. Because of this, he says Ephraim feeds on the east wind. The pursuit of this empty and vain thing, vain thing that's blowing uh, by, they're, they're feeding on that, and, and there's nothing to grab onto. With that, it's, it's a pursuit of empty and vain things. And he daily increases uh, lies and desolations. Uh, it pursues the east wind. Some think that that east wind is the east wind that pushes them uh, into, the, into the west uh, through the Assyrian captivity. But anyway, he daily increases lies and desolations. And they make treaties, covenants with the Assyrians. And oil is carried to Egypt, covenanting with these, with these other countries and not focusing on their God. Getting caught up in all of that as opposed to God's way. You know, worldliness and all of that ultimately leads to forgetting our maker and making these other things our idols. We won't uh, continue in that because we've talked significantly about idolatry these last uh, several months. Let's go to point two, a second trait, a second warning sign uh, to Israel a road sign that says danger is ahead. It's, it's in probably, it will cover a passage that is probably the most familiar passage in the book of Hosea. Let's go to Hosea 4 as we get to this point. And while you're turning there, just reflecting back on that first one, to the Israel of God, what elements of worldliness do I possess still? What elements of idolatry, what elements of covetousness are there? Are we, as, uh, as was talked about in, in the sermonette, are we, are we continuing to step back and examine and, and look at our lives and, and note those things and, and attack those areas that we see are, are contrary to God? So critical for us because those are those are the the road signs that say, "Hey, this is this is danger. Get away from that. Uh, exit right here uh, quickly." Let's uh, so let's look at this second one. Hosea four verse one. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the Eternal brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. How many of us that have been around for a while that, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking of some of you folks that are 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, and, and beyond, that can look back on just this basic understanding of a knowledge of God in the land, how, how much that is deteriorating, how a, a new form of worship is, is, is coming uh, and, and getting in and getting its tentacles in, in more and more folks that are, that are away from what God's word actually says. Uh, but, but I'm spiritual. I'm spiritual. And, I, and I'll take my own path, uh, my own path to the Lord. We're seeing more and more of that. But it also says, not only is there no truth and knowledge of God in the land, but there's no mercy. I don't know how many of you uh, saw this recently. It was a couple of months back, but I thought, what a tragedy. It was... Uh, in the, I think it was in the area of fashion or something, but it was a fashion magazine uh, person that uh, a lady that had been, uh, that was I think in her late 20s or early 30s, really had done well uh, in, in the fashion industry and as a, as a writer and editor or whatever, but she was made 
magazine editor of, uh, of, of, of one of these magazines. And it was just, it was just you know, people were saying, oh, she's, they were touting her as just kind of the wonder child for how she advanced uh, to this, to, to have this kind of position, uh, influence, influential uh, position uh, over this magazine, one of the many uh, modeling magazines that I read and stay up with in current events. No, I, I don't even know what it was. I'm sorry. I'm being silly. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, what happened was when she was 16 or 17, she had posted something, and it was some little thing that she had said. I didn't know if it was a semi-racist or just a semi, it was just off color. Uh, and, but back then it was something that was kind of more acceptable. Uh, but you know, she's, she was not that kind of person. She, she completely, uh, supported, uh, all races at, at this stage in her life. And it was just, it was just some little stupid thing that she texted to a friend, uh, at age 16, and so in the process, some, some researcher or journalist found that and posted that, and then all of a sudden, this woman's career was ruined, and she said, I'm, I'm not that person. I just, it was a little, little thing years and years ago, but there's no mercy. There, there's no mercy that, that people that, that see the truth and see the knowledge of God and understand mercy and forgiveness could say, you know what, maybe she was just a dumb punk teen that just said, wrote something that she didn't, if she had thought about it, she would never have done it again. And look at this person's life. Look at how she's done this and this and this in all of these areas that are very supportive, uh, and, and she can do this job. We, we see so much now this thing of, I got you, boom, you know, and you're done. You're done for life. You're disgraced for life. God's people are not to be that way. Yet, yet I submit to you that it is in part because a lack of the knowledge of God, a lack of the knowledge of what God's word says, of, of humility and truth and forgiveness. And if I exact that kind of act on people for something that they did or said a little thing at age 17, and I live by that, do I, do I want to be judged that way? But it is, it is pervasive in society. If we can just catch one little thing that this person did at this stage in his or her life, we can ruin them. And man, let's, everybody wants to read that. Everybody wants to watch that. And that's what makes entertainment. It's tragic. It's tragic. And yet it is, it is part, of what we, part of what we see. I'm not in any way uh, belittling uh, statements that are uh, racist or, or inappropriate in that regard. Obviously, it, is, it is, is awful to do that, but it shocked me the degree to which that little statement that she made impacted everything because mercy uh, is, is deteriorating from the land. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge in the land by swearing and lying, committing, uh, uh, killing and stealing and committing adultery. Oh, Ten Commandments. Uh, here. That's something that God says we should live by. That's something that God says uh, really matter. Uh, by doing all these things, they break all restraint. Uh, Sonsinos says they break all bounds. It's like a turbulent river overflowing its bounds. They, they, they 
break all bounds of, 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 where, of a track of what to be on. With bloodshed upon bloodshed, one murder leads to another, you know, trail of blood being continuous. Therefore the land will mourn, and everyone who dwells there will waste away with the birds, with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Even the fish of the sea will be taken away. Now think about what he's saying there. This is at a time when they are experiencing incredible prosperity. And, and, and luxury and, and wealth. And yet Hosea is saying this. Uh, God is saying this now. He's saying this now to uh, the descendants of Israel uh, who have received the birthright promises. Let no man uh, contend uh, or rebuke another. Uh, the New Living Translation uh, makes the statement, don't point your finger at someone else and try to pass the blame. Look, look, you priests, my complaint is with you. As a sentence for your crimes, you'll stumble in broad daylight just as you might at night. And so, you'll, you'll, so will your false prophets, and I'll destroy your mother Israel. Uh, as I, I read from the New Living Translation as we covered verses 5 and 6, uh, verses 4 and 5. Now let's look at verse 6. Here's the statement, point 2. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. That that is God saying that. That is God saying what we just read in verse 14. Therefore, people who do not understand will be trampled. And that, that, that's, that's the word of God. God views it that way. The, the, the point two is one of the, the key elements that Hosea brings out that's going to result in, in the downfall uh, is a lack of knowledge, a lack of knowledge. And yet, and yet still, and yet still prideful. That, that's a dichotomy. How can, how can it be that the, the less degree of knowledge that we have, the more prideful we can be. But it is that way, isn't it? Uh, the, the degree of, of, of knowledge uh, away from God creates a greater and greater pride. And as we gain in, in knowledge of God and, and understand him in a deeper and deeper way in what he's doing, what does that create, uh, if applied correctly? It's humility. It's humility. Uh, so critical uh, for us as, as, as we look at our nation, our nation leaving, leaving the knowledge of God and, and as a result getting into a lack of mercy, a lack of the knowledge of God, a, a lack of, uh, of maintaining the basic principles of forgiveness and God's way of life that, that, that can work even on a level of, of, of not having the heart circumcised, at least just from a, a, an understanding point, this, this is where it takes it. So, you know, here we are as God's people. How does this apply uh, to us as we reflect on, on this? We know that, uh, remember Mr. Jones a while back gave that, that message on growing in grace and knowledge, and he emphasized uh, the grace, grace part of it. Uh, we, we are, as, as God's people, to grow in knowledge. And you know, because, because it, it's, it starts like this. Without knowledge, we have nothing. If we don't have the knowledge, if we don't have truth, 
If, 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 we, if it's not based on truth, we, there's nothing. There, there's nothing. There's no direction. There's, there's no way to go that is in a godly way. We've got to develop and learn and grow in knowledge. And, and as we grow in, in that knowledge of, of God's truth and his way of life, and as we recognize the grace that is extended to us, it, it creates, it, it creates a, a traction in moving forward uh, spiritually to, to grow up, uh, you know, the fullness of Jesus Christ. But, but as, we, as we turn from knowledge, if we don't grow in knowledge, if we stagnate as God's people, uh, we begin to allow uh, the, the, the kinds of things that we've talked about to enter in. And so I, w- I would ask each of us, as, as we're striving to live God's way of life, are we really taking in of God's word? Are we thinking about God's word? Are we, are we dwelling on God, his ways, and, and, and growing in that understanding? And the, the degree to which the more we learn about God, the more we understand him, the more we understand the incredible grace that he's offered us, the, the way that he has placed us in his love. And, and through that, we are humbled. We grow in greater depth and depth and understanding of his nature and of our own human nature, and through that, then, we become more and more humble. Uh, I, I, I can't stress that enough, that the degree to which we grow in knowledge is the degree to which we'll grow in humility, and that will become more like our Father in heaven and our, and our brother Jesus Christ. The degree that, to which we reject knowledge or do not place the knowledge of God and his ways in a high priority in our lives is the degree to which we'll become more and more prideful and farther and farther away from God, and we won't even know what hit us. <laughs> we won't know what hit us. Uh, and that's, that's what he says here in, in Hosea 5, verse 1. Hosea 5, verse 1. Hear this, O priests. Take heed, O house of Israel. Give ear, O house of the king. For yours is the judgment. I won't go into the details of uh, Mitzpah and Tabor. Uh, that would take a little while, uh, some of the thoughts there. But he says in verse 2, The revolters are deeply involved in a slaughter. Though I rebuke them all, I know Ephraim. <laughs> Israel's not hidden from me. For now, O Ephraim, you commit adultery. Uh, you commit harlotry. Israel is defiled. Then he says, They do not direct their deeds toward turning to their God. That is all about the, the prophecy, is to turn towards our God, to turn towards him. For the spirit of harlotry is in their midst, and they do not know the Lord. Not only do they not know the Lord, but verse 4, the pride of Israel testifies to his face. So there is that thing, that, that combo, that deadly combo of, of rejecting the knowledge of God, not knowing him, and as a result, becoming more and more prideful. Uh, again, as opposed to the opposite. Therefore, Israel and Ephraim stumble in their iniquity. Judah also stumbles or falls with them. Look at uh, Hosea 7, verse 8. Hosea 7, verse 8. Hopefully that does not describe what we just read, you and me. It can. It can as we uh, allow uh, ourselves to not focus in the areas that we should. Uh, but he, let's come to Hosea 7, verse 8. Hosea 7, verse 8. Ephraim uh, has mixed himself among the peoples. 
there's some thoughts uh, with that, uh, you know, as, as well, we'll get into that here in just a second. Ephraim has mixed himself among the peop- peoples. Ephraim is a cake unturned. I, I, when I think of that, uh, I think of the imagery of, of pancakes. I like, I like pancakes. Uh, my wife and I often have this discussion uh, about pancakes. She, she always wonders, how could pancakes ever been offered as a healthy breakfast food? You know, it's just, it's just, it's just cake. And then, and, and then you, you pour the syrup on it. Uh, and I use, again, the cheap Walmart $1.97 fake maple syrup and just gush it on that. And I have a headache but I, after I eat it, but I just love it. But, but you know, when you're, making, when you're making pancakes and you've got them on, on the griddle there, you wait till the little bubbles. That's what I do. You wait till the bubbles. When the bubbles start to happen, then you, then you turn that. So, but... But it's in in sense it gives me an imagery of this that you can have the one side that is just perfect, but uh, if if it were to be on that side of where you're looking at that perfect and and you've got that underneath that is just liquidy yucky. Have you ever had a pancake where you thought it was perfect but it was the liquid stuff coming out? Again, with enough syrup you can offset that, but it can be it can be kind of rough. But but Ephraim is like this. They're they're a cake unturned. You know, like maybe for instance the, the, whatever the, it hasn't turned yet. So there's this it, it, the outward performance is done to to a nicety, but the inward uh, indifference that they have towards God's ways is is just a rawness in itself, a goopy rawness that is is awful. Uh, and then it gets into uh, something which is very sensitive to me here personally. Uh, continuing, uh, aliens have devoured his strength, but he does not know it. Yes, yes, gray hairs are here and there on him. Where did that come from? I all of a sudden got a gray hair here, gray, gray hair here on my eyebrow. I never had gray-haired eye, eyebrows, but I, I saw one today. I'm getting more and more. Where did that come from? But I saw it. Uh, this says they don't even notice it. At least I saw my gray hair eyebrow. So he says here, they, they, gray hairs are here and there on him, yet he doesn't even know it. He doesn't know what's happening to him. He doesn't know how much through his rejection of the knowledge of God, how much it's taken him farther and farther away. He doesn't even recognize the rawness uh, and the, the, the sickly nature of, of his condition. He says here, Ephraim has mixed himself among the peoples, and aliens have devoured his strength. We'll talk about that in a second. Deuteronomy 28 uh, talks about the, the alien coming in and sapping the strength of the power of, of, uh, of Israel. Uh, here is a situation of, uh, of that, and, and a lot of prophecy folks We'll talk about what about uh, the folks that are coming into America right now and the borders may be opening back up. Don't draw conclusions about what I'm saying because I'm going to come back to that in just a second. But that, that's, that's, that's a thought uh, that, that's out there uh, with that. We'll address that here in just a second. He says, wherever they go, uh, so, so he says, Ephraim, uh, continuing uh, verse 10, Yet, so he doesn't know these gray hairs are on him. Then verse 10, and here it is again. The pride of Israel yet testifies to his face. Look at me. I've got, I've got it going on here. Uh, but he doesn't realize that he's a cake unturned. But they do not return to the eternal their God nor seek him for all this. I seek you, Lord. I love you. But do, do, I, do I seek him 
in his ways and what he says and do I do what he says. Uh, that's, the, that's what God is saying here. They, they don't seek him in that respect. Ephraim is also like a silly dove without sense. We have some doves. I like the way the uh, doves are around our house, they, but they do. They flit around, and I've been practicing how to whistle like a dove. I'm going to try it here. <clears throat> I did better in Sherman. I can't make that noise. It's 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 uh, it's too deep for me. But they, but the silly dove that that it it's it, it's without sense. They call to Egypt. Egypt, come help us. Assyria, oh help us, help us here. But wherever Israel goes, I'm going to spread my net on them. I'll bring them down like birds of the air. I'll chastise them according to what their congregation has heard. So, so as he's, he's going through all of this and, and discussing the, these elements, it, it's like Israel does not recognize the degree to which he is, he is corrupted and turned from God and how he's like a silly dove without sense, just flitting about here and there. Lack of knowledge and yet still being prideful does that. I'm reminded of that, uh, that Twilight Zone uh, show that I watched years ago. I think I've told you this one, but oh, it, it, uh, it always has made an impact on me. It's the, the, the three astronauts are marooned on this planet. They have to crash land on this planet because they're having problems with their rocket, something with the rocket. You can tell uh, that I don't work for Raytheon. I don't know the terms. Anyway, so, so they, had to, they had to deal with, uh, with repairs. So in the process of making repairs to their rocket so they can get off this planet where they're all by themselves, uh, the one man kind of is taking a little walk and he, he comes upon this entire nation of people that are the size of little ants. And uh, they scatter when he comes and, and he sees them all kind of huddle around just in fear of him. And he's thinking, wow, look at, the, look at all these little tiny little ant people and, and the power that I, that I exude over them to where everything stops around them. So here, the, you know, the guys are working on the ship and uh, he's there, but he's always kind of breaking away to get over to his little fiefdom that he realizes he has great power and authority over. And uh, the more he's there and the more time he's there, the more he realizes they idolize him. And he's, he, is, he is it. He is the power and he is the, the authority. So, uh, you know, they finally get the ship repaired. And they're saying, let's, let's take off. Come on, we got to go, we got to go, we got to get out of here. And uh, he's saying, no, you know what, I, th- I think I'll stay. I think I'll stay. I'm in a pretty good situation here. And I, I, don't, know, I don't think he lets them know uh, any of that. But he knows he is king overall. He is in the power position. He, he is, is the all-worshipped one uh, uh, in, in front of his whole kingdom. So they go, and uh, he is the lone person there. And then while he's there, uh, he's, he kind of gets angry about something. And I think he swings his hand once and knocks down one of the buildings and these little ant people go scattering everywhere. And then as he's looking, he sees them, and he's there for a couple of days and uh, watching. And then finally he sees this statue about this big, but it's you know, gigantic for them, that they're erecting. And he realized, he looks at it, and he realized, that's, that's a picture of him. He's, you know, they're worshiping him. So he was standing there and just in complete awe of himself as they were in awe of him. And then he sees this bright light shining down on him. And these two giant fingers reach down 
and pick him up. And it's this astronaut that is, you know, 500 times bigger than he is and looks at this little thing that he is, what is that, a bug? And just throws it down and smashes it. Uh, and he's gone. Uh, Israel's pride testifies to him, his face. His knowledge that he has, the great knowledge that we have in all of these areas, we are nothing. And then my favorite part of that Twilight Zone episode is to hear the roar of the little ant people and the ropes going over that statue and pulling that statue down because he's gone. He's gone. And we want to make sure that we don't allow a lack of knowledge and pridefulness to enter us. We have been given the precious hidden truths of God, such precious hidden truths that God expects us uh, as his people to build upon, to grow in, and in that, to grow in his grace. I'd like to cover the third point as we bring things to a close today to discuss this one because this is an incredible point to Israel and an incredible point to us now as his people. Let's look at it. It's in, it's in Hosea 11. Hosea 11 verse 1. Hosea 11, verse 1, he says, you know, God talks about his love for Israel as he chose them as, as his people. Hosea 11, verse 1, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. And, and as they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed to the Baals and, and uh, burned incense to carved images. Even though he called them... Uh, Verse 2 actually probably should better be rendered, just as I called them. Then they went, they went from them and they, they sacrificed to these Baals. He said, I taught Ephraim how to walk, taking them by their arms. They didn't know that I healed them. I drew them with gentle cords, with bands of love. Who, and I was to them as, as, as those who take the yoke from their neck. I stooped and fed them. But he says he's not going to go back to the land of Egypt, but he's going to end up going into the hands of the Assyrian. The Assyrian shall be his king. And Israel fell to Assyria. Uh, Israel today will fall to Assyria uh, because they refuse to re repent. And the swords shall slash in his cities, devour his districts, and consume them because of their own counsel. And here's the third point. Uh, my people are bent on backsliding from me. It's what God and Christ continue to witness to this day, the people being bent on backsliding from him. Though they call to the Most High, I'm calling to you, God, I under, you know, you, you and I, I love you, you know this, but none at all exalt him. We exalt God by abiding in him by walking as as he walked by walking as our as our savior walked but none but none do that so this this third point is a continued backsliding and as a result what results is instability instability while living in this backsliding hypocrisy like look at me we we're doing things as we ought he hosea 6 verse 4 hosea 6 verse 4 <clears throat> O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, uh, what shall I do to you? So that's both the northern and the southern kingdoms. He's making that, that point. All of Israel. He says, for your faithfulness is like a morning cloud. Out in the early dew, the early dew comes out, but then it goes away. I, I have hewn them by the prophets. I've slain them by the words of my mouth. Uh, 
the, the judgments upon you, as the margin renders, are like light that goes forth. He says, I desire mercy, not, not sacrifice. And I desire the, the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. This is what's really important to me, he says here. Hosea 8, verse 3. Yet they made uh, idols for themselves that they might be cut off. All of this, my anger is aroused against them. How long again till they attain innocence? They just keep sliding, keep sliding back and forth. This, this cake unturned. This, and what results is this spiritual instability. So now I want to deal with that statement that I made a while back. Let's go back to Hosea 7 and verse 8. Remember, we read how this, this unstable situation of the nation. God says, trust in, trust in me, look to me, and I'll, I'll guide and direct you as a people. And yet, as we read, it, Ephraim has mixed himself among the peoples. Aliens have devoured his strength. Uh, Ephraim, in verse 11, is like that silly dove, uh, as, as we read before. You know, I, I want to make a statement here, and this is where I'm going to meddle a bit. Uh, this is where we as God's people who can recognize uh, certain prophecies can sometimes get a bit off track and get too caught up in what we, we may see happening in our society, uh, especially with our nation's instability, but even more port- importantly, with what should be done about it. What do, what do God's people, what do we understand when we read Ephraim has mixed itself among the peoples, and aliens have devoured his strength. And the Deuteronomy 28 passage about uh, nations coming in and completely overtaking you. Uh, what, what happens sometimes, and I've seen this on posts, I've seen this in discussions, we need a strong president, we need leadership who will keep our nation from getting overrun by, uh, by aliens and foreigners. Uh, that's what we need. We've got to protect our borders. We've got to choose a person who will protect our borders. In part, because we as God's people see this prophecy. Have you heard that? Have you, have you thought that at times? Uh, God also talks about how we should, should treat the foreigner and the stranger in the land. What lies at the heart of of this instability. Yes, it says that, the, that eventually for Israel they will be overrun and, and, and controlled by the peoples of other lands. Uh, that is a prophecy. So do we need a president, a strong president, a strong leader, because we understand prophecy who will keep uh, that from happening? Think, think about that. Think about the reasoning behind that. Uh, Hosea 8 Hosea 8, and yet instead, think about these causes for judgment. Hosea 8, verse 2, well, Hosea 8, verse 1, because they've transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law, well, Israel will cry to me, my God, we know you. Israel has rejected the good. Because of that, the enemy will pursue him because Israel has rejected the good. They've set up kings They've, they've gotten into idolatry. They've, they've gotten the, the calf that's, that's rejected. They, they've made the workmen uh, t- 
to, and, but the calf of Samaria shall be broken to pieces. They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. The, the stalk, verse uh, 7, will, will have no bud. It shall never produce meal. It, it, if it should produce, aliens are going to swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. Now they're among the Gentiles, like a vessel which is no, which in, in which is no pleasure. For they have gone up to Assyria. They've not relied on me. They've gone to this country and this country. Ephraim's hired lovers. Yes, though they've hired among the nations, now I'll gather them and though they'll, and they'll sorrow a little uh, because of the burden of the king of princes. Because Ephraim has made many altars for sin, <laughs> they, they have become for him altars for sinning. I have written for him the great things of my law, but they were considered a strange thing. And, and because of that, he says, I'm going to devour their palaces. It's all, this is why this is going to happen. It's because our nation is forgetting God. We're transgressing the covenant. We're caught up in idolatry. We're trusting in things of the world in which we shouldn't place our trust as a nation. We're trusting in other nations and we're making many altars for sin. As a result, that is the, the prophecy that will cause this to take place. And yet sometimes we get so caught up in things that we begin to think we need a president who's going to, to keep out that from happening. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see the, the, for, for, a, for a person who is part of the Israel of God, who is sighing and crying for the abominations that are done, who seeks the return of Jesus Christ to right all of that, we can get caught up in some of these kinds of things because we know certain aspects of prophecy. It's very important for us to pull back and see things through the mind of God. Spiritually, are we erecting any altars of sin in our lives? Or do we see these, these areas that are, that are happening uh, in our nation that, that are, are prophesied to occur? Let's turn finally Let's turn finally to Hosea 14 as we wrap this up. Hosea 14, verse 1. Uh, if you'd like, uh, Isaiah 1 is a great passage to cover. Isaiah 1 basically covers almost everything that, that we've covered today in Hosea. Uh, again, a, a beautiful passage that, that mirrors what we're saying here. God is a, is a wonderful God, a loving God, but a God of truth and a God of of, of justice, and God expects us with the knowledge that we have to walk in his ways. And God holds this nation accountable for what it, it should know. And we recognize that. We pray his kingdom comes as God begins to open all mankind's minds. Hosea 14, I think, is beautiful as we wrap this up because it, it shows how all of these three areas, the whole, the whole concept of rejecting God and his, and, and his knowledge and becoming prideful, of being unstable and, and caught up in idolatry, we see how that turns as Jesus Christ returns and, and sets up his kingdom here on earth. Verse 1, O Israel, return to the eternal, your God, for you've stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Receive us, God, receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifice of our lips, the opposite of what they had been doing. Assyria is not going to save us. We're not going to ride on horses, nor will we say any more to the work of our hands, you are our gods, for in you, God, the fatherless finds mercy. 
God then will heal their backsliding, their their instability, their, their turning from him. He'll heal that. He says, I will love them freely, for my anger is turned away from him. And then he talks about how the nation will begin to be like the dew. He says, I'll be like the dew to Israel. Israel will grow like the lily. He'll he'll lengthen his roots like Lebanon, the the cedars of Lebanon, these massive, tall, uh, greatly grounded, strong fixtures of trees. The branches spread. Beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return and be revived like grain and grow like a vine. Sprout out like that. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim will say, well, what do I have to do anymore with idols? I don't have anything to do with that. I've heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me, God says. Uh, he is the, the protective shade to us, and our fruit is found in him. Verse 9, who is wise? Not, not foolish, rejecting God. But who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. He has ways. It's not just the Lord. It's the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them but transgressors stumble in them. Do you and I see the danger signs in the road ahead? Are they catching our eye as spiritual Israel? Do we recognize the traits that will take this nation of Israel down, the three that we talked about today? May we, as the Israel of God, engage in the true worship of God as we go forward, putting God in his ways first, growing in knowledge and humility, and may as a result we be convicted and settled, not unstable like a silly dove without sense.